This is Voices of Hunger in North Carolina, presented by the North Carolina Alliance for Health and Moms Rising. So I am here talking with Artist Cruz, who, along with her husband, founded Grow. And Artist, I'm going to turn it over to you to uh, tell us what Grow stands for and and more about what it is. But first, let me just check in with you. Uh, we're in this uh, global pandemic and uh, social unrest. So I just wanted to check in and see how you're doing and if you're okay. We are doing great. Uh, we're trying to serve our community in every way that we can. Wonderful. So why don't you tell us a little bit about GROW and how it was started and what it stands for? GROW is Green Rural Redevelopment Inc. Um, we, uh, we have four pillars of our operation, which are um, economics, housing, um, agriculture and farming, and also social kinds of activities which will better our community. Uh, after planning a farm, um, actually it started out as a garden and became a farm uh, two blocks from downtown Henderson, the first and only uh, certified organic produce farm in Vance County, good agriculture uh, practice certified and many more uh, certifications. But after we started the farming, people started calling us grow because we were growing so many vegetables. So the name kind of stuck with us and we kind of liked it because everything we do is about growing, whether we're growing um, housing, healthy housing for our community, uh, whether we are growing economics for those persons in our community, whether we're growing food and and uh, or whether we are promoting health everything is about growing wonderful so what inspired you to you and henry to start grow actually we uh developed grow while we were still living in chicago uh we retired and had some very um uh, painful life events and so in our recovery from that, um, we just woke up and decided that we didn't want to be who we had been. I guess you could describe us as users, you know, uh, drove big cars and did everything that used up was planted and didn't really contribute to the planted. And actually, I think that people work their lives to accumulate and you retire and you've gotten whatever you have and then you decide you don't want it. So it started off with my car breaking down and I had to get a renter and I got a small car. It was really good on gas. So uh, I was going to buy a car and we started looking for a car and I found a green Prius. And uh, my thing to my husband was, you know what? We're going to turn green. And we started just throwing it out. Yeah, we're going to be green and we're going to create a company and we're going to go to North Carolina and we're going to work on our housing and we're just going to do things down there and everything is going to be about turning green and teaching people to live a better life. And so here we are. Well, I am so grateful to be doing this interview with you. And I find that fascinating because I've known you and Henry for several years and I had no idea that you had lived previous lives. You, ha you 
really embody this whole uh, healthy, sustainable lifestyle. And so that, that's fascinating. Yes, yes. It's, it's, um, it's totally new to us. Um, Henry is from Henderson, North Carolina, and I'm from outside of Rocky Mountain. And there is farming in my history, but I wasn't a farmer. My father left the farm as a very young man. And although he grew gardens, and I, I used to grow flowers, love flowers, and continue to do that throughout my 30-some-odd uh, years in Chicago. But to do a garden, a farm, that was not something that anyone would expect of me, and I would not have expected it either. That is beautiful. Now, I, I've seen the presentation that Lucette has done, and I... I I'd like to hear you share a little bit more about uh, what role race plays in in your farming and how that connects with um, health equity issues and diabetes and that kind of thing. Of course, you know, we are uh, descendants of enslaved people. And so we have a, uh, as a people, we have a disconnect with farming. Uh, there is a lot of pain around farming and anything that has to do with agriculture. And it has come down through the generations. Uh, I guess because neither Cruz nor I experienced the on-hand pain, it affected us a little bit different. And uh, when we have conversations with people, they will talk about, you know, I'm not walking behind a mule. And I said, well, now it, be, it would be horse and horsepower because everything is gas-driven or even battery-operated. But, uh, um, yes, lots of pain from the enslaved history that we have. Um, we live in a community that uh, uh, Henderson is a little over 15,000 people. Uh, Bass County is a little over 40,000 people. Uh, it was a uh, textile community, and of course, all the textiles have closed down. And things kind of change. When I look at the history of the community I'm living in now, uh, people were well-educated, well-educated. Cruz's grandmother died at age 97. Uh, so, and all of her friends were like that, doctor's degrees or master's degrees. So people were highly educated or highly skilled. Everybody around had some kind of skill, excellent uh, working history. Everybody owned their own home in this area. And if they didn't own their home, the homes that other people lived in belonged to people of the community. So there was a lot of pride in the community. But with the changes in economics came changes in the health status. And with that, currently, Vance County is number 98 out of 100 counties in health outcomes. So after we started the farming thing and we really started talking about food and learning about food, we realized how huge the disconnect was. And because we had to do a lot of studying in order to, uh, to grow, since we had no experience growing food, we learned the value of food and the that we researched the history of our people and realized how important food and plant was in the health because people didn't really go to the doctor. They would use uh, plants, herbs, roots um, to make their own medicines. 
So we began to think of food as medicine. And therefore, that directed us to really get involved in the inequities in the community and uh, to kind of look at things that could be done around food. Still, I'm just fascinated uh, just to hear that before you retired and started this, that you had never even grown food before. So just what courage that took for you all, both of you, to just change course like this. It was merely by accident. So if I were to tell you the truth, I would tell you that Cruz went to the store to buy tomatoes and they were a dollar piece, and he didn't want to pay a dollar for a tomato. So a friend knew how to grow, so we just started growing and it caught on. The newspaper called me a farmer, and as a newly retired person, I had no title, so I figured I'd go with that. Nice. Nice. So what made you all choose to become an organic farm? It was all about health. It was about what we're putting in us. One of the things that I learned very quickly, and we started off as organic, even before certification. I learned very quickly how people use so many synthetics. And of course, we know that our body was not made to intake synthetics. It needs natural kinds of things. I learned very quickly that the synthetics grow your food. Where in an organic operation, you have healthy soil, and the soil grows the food. And so that's a circle of life. So um, we decided that we would participate in that circle of life, and we wanted everything to be clean grown. Uh, we, we know that most of the time, fruit comes from long distances, so it's picked before it really has full flavor, uh, color, and stuff is enhanced. So we just wanted to get the best of the food. Looking for that taste that, uh, as the young people would say, that they had in the olden days when grandmama used to cook food. <laughs> when you cook your food and you can't smell it, there's something wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's where food has gotten to now. You know, it's just so fast grown and, you know, all the flavor and taste is, is just out of it. The smell is out of it. So who benefits from your food? Who do you give the food to? Who works in the gardens? And tell us a little bit more about the community that you've cultivated. Well, actually, when we started out, we started out as a community garden. And there were three young ladies who were working. And uh, people would stop by and watch. Uh, People would hang across the fence and look. And they would always say, when that stuff get ready, I want you to pick some for me. Well... I thought my customers would come from Raleigh or Durham or somewhere like that. And we did sell to Farmer Fruit Share uh, the first year that we grew. But basically, our sales have been right here in Henderson, uh, Warren, and Granville County. And um, everything has gone quite well. Now, my farm, of course, is a private farm. Uh, we did operate a farm for Green World Development Grow. Uh, but what we find is that the, the programs that we offer, uh, we use most of our food in those programs. And we also run what we call pop-up markets. 
So we pop up pretty much anywhere. Uh, we ran markets downtown. Actually, we uh, assisted in setting up a very platinum market in Greenville at Biden Hospital. And we run markets in Granville and in Warren County. But most of the food ends up going in programs. And so our programs are like uh, uh, healthy living and uh, diabetes prevention, uh, prescription food um, produce program, uh, stress for less, uh, healthy hearts at home. Um, and so just an array of programs that are centered around food and, and centered around conditions. Uh, and what we try to teach is that if you have healthy food, if you eat healthy, most diseases and conditions can be eliminated or at least helped by eating better food. So tell us a little bit about the Farm to Head Start initiative that you recently started. Oh, and here comes Henry. I'm ready now. <laughs> Welcome. Well, the interesting thing about that, most of our work was done with senior citizens. And I was telling you that we're number 98 out of 100 counties. And we're just really trying to figure out how we're going to address the health disparities in our community. So we decided we needed to start at both ends. We needed to work with our senior citizen um, community. And if we work with children, children will change the household. Because when they are exposed to and learn to eat healthy food selections, they're going to go home and pester mom and dad to make some changes also. And uh, a local not-for-profit organization had a Head Start program here. And we got involved with them. We went to one of your programs and did a presentation and decided this is something we need to bring back to our community. Absolutely. So, Henry, why don't you jump in and share a little bit more about, um, about uh, the Farm to Head Start, Farm to ECE collaborative and... Um, and any farm to school work that you all are doing. There was a, a young lady uh, named Linda Thayer, from, uh, who was the um, nutritionist at North Henderson Police Department. And she saw us, and she uh, called us up after she'd come out and meet with us. And she met with us about five years ago and said, well, if we would be GAP certified, and she would, everything that we grew, because we were organic already, everything that we grew, she, she would, Turn that into her, uh, make that part of her, her, her uh, menu at the, uh, at the school. Yeah. Wait, can you just back up and explain what is GAP certified for people? Good agricultural practice. And USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture says that anyone that's selling institutions or schools has to be GAP certified, has to be certified by the USDA. And that is good agricultural practice. You have to so that you're keeping the right record, so that if anything happens within the food, they can trace it back to actually where the uh, food was grown, what road was grown in, what farm was grown in, all of that. So, so GAP certification is about uh, growing practices. You know, uh, it, it determines how, you know, how we have to wash our hands, how uh, our uh, equipment on the farm has to be used. Everything that touches the soil of the plant 
how clean it has to be. Uh, GAP, certifi GAP certification addresses that. So, uh, Ms. Thayer, uh, Dr. Thayer, uh, said that, that she would, would buy everything from us from the school because she was so impressed with what we were doing there. And so that, that got us on the road of being GAP certified. So in that process of becoming GAP certified, we got hooked and said we need to help other farmers get GAP certified uh, so that they could sell to school systems. And uh, we had about, we had Carolina Farm School Association work with us in setting up the GAP classes, the GAP certification classes. So we had 30 in Greenville because we have a farm in Greenville. And we had some 27 in Dance County. And so all these people went through the class. And what we were having problems with was trying to get farmers to uh, buy into the whole idea. They came and took the classes, but then to be to go through that process, and at that time the Department of Agriculture would pay for the would pay uh, at a cost share program that would pay for the first year of your gap certification. The same thing with uh, 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 USDA, so uh, NRCS will pay for that, the Natural Resource and Conservation. And so we we were the only ones, we ended up being the only gap certified farm in the county, and still are the only gap certified. We both our farms gap certified. But it was hard getting these farmers to do that. And then all of a sudden, last year, when the new farm bill came out, it became too expensive for people to. Uh, to be certified, it costs around $2,000. And most people can't generate enough income uh, to pay for the certification cost. And so uh, when we found out about, when I came and we spoke to you all at, uh, at the uh, Farm to Preschool program, we found out that you didn't have to be GAP certified to uh, to prepare food for, for preschool. And so that opened up a whole new door for us to try to work these farmers who now, who were interested in GAP certification, but couldn't afford to get GAP certified, but didn't mind going through that process of, of going uh, 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 in, in with good practices, but it just was too expensive for them to, to transition to. So this became a way of saying, well, all right, we want you to have GAP certified practices, but you don't have to pay that money, but we can now take, we can now get you into the preschool program. And that's how we got involved with you all. But you all opened the door, but we didn't know anything about that until you told us that you don't have to be certified. And so it really helped us now really design a program to help small farmers to, uh, to now have a market to sell their produce to. Uh, and when we found out the Head Start was in a unique position because, number one, they're federally funded and they already have money so they could purchase food from us. Uh, and so we, we partnered with the Head Start program, which is 500 some kids in, in the Fort County. Uh, and, and they liked the idea. And then all of a sudden, um, a young lady came to us and said, uh, I can help you all. I've been trying to get to you for the longest time. Uh, her name was Jessica. And, and said, uh, we probably have a program for funding, but you have to apply for this thing which was a perfect solution because it allowed the Head Start people to come together with the farmers and with, uh, with us to talk about how we can now prepare, we can do more procurement, uh, of how we can uh, uh, get a good food into uh, Head Start program. 
because these are the probably the most vulnerable kids there are out there, and they're eating processed foods all the time because they're so because the program is so large they can't uh, just feed uh, they can't use farmers they have to uh, feed out their program and most of the time it's for some food service company U.S. U.S. Foods or some food service company which means that they're all eating processed food. And by, by getting involved with, 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 with the program that you all did, it now we're talking about reteaching people about uh, planning uh, food, uh, the kind of things that the private, uh, private high school was willing to do. We can now, between you all, we can now uh, get involved with the history, curriculum planning and uh, doing uh, uh, on-site uh, programs like uh, a vertical hydroponic system or doing gardens. And we have all that equipment. We have everything we can do it with. We just didn't have a, a, a chance. So the schools was a natural thing to, uh, to, to transition into. Uh, and this has been a, 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 a really a joy uh, to, 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 to actually work in this over week. So now we're, did you tell we're feeding 200 some? No, I got there yet. We're feeding 200 but, um, some. We, we have been working with the school system, um, with uh, the kindergarten and the school system. And so the kids were growing peppers and tomatoes and cucumbers. And so we would send the kids home, you know, with their own vegetables to grow. And they truly enjoyed that. Uh, all those except for ones who wanted to bring their plants to school with them every day. But they were very much involved and we would hear from the parents that the kids were a little bit more interested in eating good food because, you know, they were growing the food. They were saying that the kids were eating green tomatoes rather than waiting for them to get white. You know? That's so, the private school. I mean, that's the public school. Public school system. Public school. We, have, mm -hmm. we have elementary schools that we were working with uh, that we kind of adopted. A friend of ours adopted at least. Uh, got involved with that. And that was all that was because you all introduced the food and, and the whole idea of, of uh, growing for species. We didn't really think that way. We thought it was just, even though we had, uh, we were GAP certified, we were selling primarily to the working landscape, which is they would buy our, our product from, because they were doing a, 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 a third party or a, a value added product. They were doing value added product. And then they were selling for school system. I went some large catering companies um, and affairs that would buy food also. But Cruz threw something out that we want to share with you uh, because of the pandemic uh, and the situation that we were having. Uh, we had a connection with the uh, food pantry and we found out about the summer meals. Food bank. The food, food bank. bank. Food bank. We found out about the summer meals. And, you know, so a lot of the rules and regulations were lifted because of the pandemic. So we were, we got approved for a pandemic relief um, a school of uh, food for kids 18 and, and under. And then we went into the summer feeding program. And of course, because of the way things are, we're not doing activities and anything like that. We just feed it. So we're real excited to now be serving 400 meals, hot, really gourmet meals, not processed stuff, but really gourmet meals to young people. And, uh, and, and the feedback 
to have, I look at the plates and I'm like, what kids would rather have uh, potato chips or something, you know. But they are thoroughly enjoying these meals. This is every day, so we, from Tuesday to Friday, we feed them. No, Friday we give them frozen meals, the hot meals on Tuesday and Friday. So on Friday they also get uh, free frozen meals for, for Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. So they get seven days worth of food every day we're feeding them. Uh, a full meal, full, full meal. But I said that the other good thing about that is that we, our, our pantry is a mobile pantry, mobile healthy food pantry. And so what we've done is those individuals that have pantries, one of the problems we have in rural areas is that people that cannot get, don't have transportation, can't get to a, a food pantry or can't get to, don't have transportation, they, we can now take, we have our vans and vehicles, we can actually, actually the, deliver it to them. And that's what we do every day now, so that the 400 people we are, we are serving are all serving, we are now, the, most of them are being delivered to uh, uh, to a spot, to, to a church. To sites, yes. Yeah. So what we have, uh, Franklin Vance Warren, the organization with the Head Start program, is one of our major partners with this. But the interesting thing that has happened is that we've been able to pull some not-for-profit and churches uh, from around in the community to come together as one. And they are our partners in getting food delivered throughout the city. Most so, of these churches have vans and they don't use it. So now that, that you don't have congregant uh, uh, seating any longer, these church vans are just sitting there and the church is not being utilized. So we we contacted the churches, the pastors, and said, you know, you have youth programs. Why not now serve that community that you live in? And so they, they come and pick, they take their band, come here and have, have some of the you know, volunteers from the church. We actually pay one of the two two people. We have two people of each, each church. And they come and pick up the food and deliver it to the people in their community. So it really doesn't become a growth program. It's actually that particular church's program. So they are now they, they are now the food service, food delivery company. So it's really a ministry for them and pushing their and developing their ministry in the community and forcing them to really get involved in the community that they're supposed to be serving. Yes. The reason why I was late in coming in here, I was on the phone with one of the pastors, an Hispanic pastor, who we have a Latinx, Latinx uh, program. We're serving about 60 uh, Latinx individuals from a trailer park. And uh, they have a bit have a big problem, of course, with the pandemic with 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 the virus, and it's really been spreading. And the pastor, pastor's husband, had the virus, and so I, we were on the phone with the health director. So she's organizing now a special uh, 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 screening, a uh, testing for those, those the Hispanic, the Latinx uh, population, which you know most of them have no idea, and it costs you know, people think it's free. And if, if you, unless you go to the health department, it's not free. So we are now going to get. That's what we have. We have another grant that we were going to use. So the the health director and I just talked about working both our grants to make sure that we have our people. Uh, our people get tested. It really sounds like you all were already so deeply rooted in your community, and you had relationships with all these different nonprofits and churches and groups. So that when the pandemic came, you you already had a way to collaborate and connect. 
Yes. And help others. It was unique and because we had a mobile unit and we our focus was mobile, you know, door to door, then that we, we were a perfect match for this whole pandemic thing because we we didn't have to stop anything. We just went ahead and, and we when we, and the people that, that came involved with us, uh with these but we started using these church bands and just sitting there. Uh, and then they gave, gave them something to do. And we were fortunate enough to be able to uh, to generate that program. That is beautiful. What about, have you heard any, I mean, I, I know it's hard because oftentimes it's grab and go food and they're not sitting there. But have you heard any feedback from anyone, any families that received yeah. the food? So this is, this is the grab and go. The unique thing about what we're doing is, is hot meal. Right. But what you normally have in the school system, and it's been real fun, even with the health, health with the Head Start program, is that you have uh, shelf-ready uh, stuff that, you know. Uh, 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 Two artists, Joe says, sugar and sugar, uh, some canned fruit, sugar, and then some other kind of chef-ready uh, products, you know. So uh, kind of like some sugar and some salt. And uh, in the program that we have, they get these little gourmet meals, and they're loving it. They're really loving it. And they're coming every day. That's the good thing about it. I, I, I'm worried about that when 400-some people come every day to get a meal. And so that's an testament to the program being successful, that every day we haven't had to turn in food back. Uh, the day we had, uh, uh, we had the Head Start program had a, I mean, a uh, uh, had a, had a, uh, a food, giveaway. food giveaway. Food giveaway. So they did, there was 160 some meals that the kids didn't get today. But we ended up having all 160 of those meals. We had people coming and get them. Uh, and so that was another testament of how, you know, people really, uh, and then if, if a person comes and you don't have enough food, well, they know that the next day you'll have enough food for them the next day. So we've been really fortunate in doing that. That if you come in and, and you want food that we can we can give it. To what was what did you serve today? Oh, we had, the flavors we had uh, uh, <laughs> so good. We had two we had two servings today. <laughs> we had barbecue chicken uh, with spinach, spinach and, and like a, 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 a sweet potato. Yeah, sweet potato. But it was like potato. a cream sweet potato kind of a dish. And, and, then, and a break, and a roll, and, and a roll. Uh, and then they got apples. Apples and milk. And milk. The second one was, go ahead. Was pancakes, sausage, and, eggs. And, 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 and uh, 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 potatoes. Potatoes. Potato slices. Uh -huh. And uh, again, apples are oranges and milk. And all of it was hot. I mean, everything was hot. So that people got a hot meal. Uh, and weapon, that's the beautiful thing about it. Uh, and we and we, we have containers that keep everything even cool or hot uh, when we fast for. So you are not just feeding hungry people, but you're helping change their habits and their that's diets. The and we try to change their taste buds. You know, that's the whole idea that we can introduce new foods to them, and uh, that, that that they that they will automatically take because they're coming to eat every day. And that's the kind of thing you do in a preschool program because in a preschool, they don't know, they don't have any problem with what they like or don't like. They eat whatever given to them. It's the character that really pushes that on what they like and don't and dislike. So. so we can change the taste buds or develop the taste buds of these young kids and it really makes it different. 
So yeah, eating squash and zucchini uh, and all that kind of stuff that normally they wouldn't do it because the peer pressure keeps you from but now everybody's eating so it's a hot meal and, and you're hungry, you don't have anything else to eat, don't eat, you know. That is just beautiful. So now I will say that we've been recording for about 40 minutes and usually like we found that, you know, people kind of can't tune out after 25 or 30 minutes. So, but this is fascinating. So, but I just wanted to say like, what would you like our lawmakers, our North Carolina lawmakers to know that you have learned about, um, What's going on in your county? Okay, so let me, let me. I think something bigger than that, and that is the lawmakers really need to look at healthy food. We have the Healthy Food Institute, but the problem you have with the pre uh, and what you have is that people are be at the school or preschool program that the food that that we really don't concentrate on healthy food. We're looking at just you know, like fast service or whatever we can get to feed people. And so I think that, and, and the problem you have with, with people that really want to do healthy food is that it's so expensive. And uh, most of these programs that we are, in, are geared to a fee that you get for you know $2 or $1.33 or whatever it is that the U.S. government, the state set or the U.S. government set, which, which forces you to go to a, or to a Walmart or to uh, some other place to a cheap, a cheap plant to buy cheap food as opposed to getting healthy food. So there's no opportunity for farmers to really interject uh, healthy produce uh, into uh, a food system. General Assembly and, and the uh, federal government really needs to look at how do you do that in a way that makes it costly so that the people that are doing the value added, the preparing of the food, can do it in a meaningful way. Because they're forced to cut corners just to, to make make a profit. So uh, okay, so my second question is is what what insights would you have to share to someone listening to this who has never farmed before, but maybe uh, thinking about it and inspired by this story? Um, how did you get up the courage to to try this after you retired, and what feedback would you like to share with others? Well, you know, business has been the best learning experience for me. You know, I came in from a business background. And so when I looked at farming, I looked at it from a business standpoint. And that, and I tell this to all the farmers, that I won't grow anything unless I know I have a sale for it. And so micro-market farming, small farming is what we last on through it. We call it micro-market farming. Uh, and so everything that we grow, we have, an we have a contract for a sale for. And that was my business plan initially. When we wrote a business plan, we said that we were going to sell to uh, Farm Food Share in Durham. In Durham and uh, uh, at that time, it was called uh, East Carolina Organic. Uh, and that was our business plan. And we would grow produce that, that had a market for it. They would tell us what they would buy, and, and we would grow it. Uh, and that has been a success thing that, that has started. And I, and I would tell anyone else, and that is those that's trying to get into hemp, those that's trying to get into anything that you're going to grow, you need to have a market for it uh, before you grow put it. Put a seed in the ground. Thank you so much to both of you. Thank you for listening to Voices of Hunger in North Carolina, presented by the North Carolina Alliance for Health and Moms Rising.